Beruchim Haboyim B'Shem Hashem, Berachnuchim V'Es Hashem, welcome to our weekly Wednesday Shir. Leon Nishmas, Luzenbas, Rachana V'Ezra, Shimon Ben Yitzchak, Masha Bas Yitzchak. And of course, Yibotl V'chaim Tev Meruchim V'Sholim, a hearty Mazeltov to my daughter Genendel and her husband Tully on the birth of their little baby boy, Shabbat Yiddish, Chsidish, Nachas, healthy child, healthy parents, Arichas Yom Vishonim. And if you're in the earshot and you're around Thursday night, we have Vachnacht and Friday the Brismet Shem. The Shabbos, Pasha Shmini. The Shabbos, the Shabbos, Mevorchim Chedesh Nisan. The Shabbos is Shabbos, Pasha Spora. It's a mouthful. A mouthful. Mevorchim Chedesh Nisan. It's in the air. Chedesh Nisan is in the air. Baruch Hashem. Although it says Nissen, Nigal of Nissen, Asidin Ligoyal, Nigal of Asidin Ligoyal, we shouldn't have to wait till Nissen. We should still see the Simchas other, the true Simchas other, and we should all see the Geula Mitz Ashtema today with Mashiach Tzedkeno and Amir Tzashem with his bris on Friday, isn't the hate? Mashiach himself should be the Sandik. Pasha Shmini. Let us say is confusing, <laughs> to say the least. Pasha's Pora is the confusing thing, though. The Nisan has its own beauty and entity. The Zemachlekis. When is Rosh Hashanah? If Rosh Hashanah is a Shchedish Tishrei or a Shchedish Nisan. So, and then is of course the Shchedish for the trees, which is Tesvav B'Shvat, 15th day of Shvat. But for right now, We have, we know of this Machlekes generally already generally we see and we find that the Yiddish practice, the Jewish nation's practice, Rosh Hashanah of the year is on Rosh Hashanah Tishrei first, second days of Tishrei Rosh Hashanah, Aleph and Beis Excuse me. And Nisan is a Yamtiv is a day of its own, its own entity. Rashana to certain things, but not to not the Rashana that we have in Tishrei. Pasha Shmini Shmini means the eighth. It's not the first word of the Pasha, Vibayama Shmini. Third word, actually. It was on the eighth day of the Miluim when the Yidden when the Yidden were about to re- set up the Chanukah Sabayas, as it's called, of the Mishkan, which is now finally set up.
it was set up, and it was now ready for service. Moshe Rabbeinu serves as Kayin Godel throughout the week. There it tells us now on the eighth day of the renewing, we now enter to the picture Arna Kayin as well. On the eighth day. And therefore, by Yemeyim Shmini, the passage is called Shmini, being the eighth day. There are times where if it comes out, coincides with the time of Pesach, Chaga Pesach, that we actually read Shmini eight times. And we've done this Cheshbon in previous year. This year it's not as such, so it's nothing to concern. We read it Monday, we'll read it tomorrow, Thursday. Um, read it, of course, on Shabbos before Mincha. So Pasha Shmini starts off with a beautiful thing, the dedication of the Mishkan. In the dedication of the Mishkan, David HaMelech tells us, How wonderful, how beautiful is as the brothers sit together. Like the oil that was beautiful on his head, that was good on his head. Went on to the beard of Aaron as according to his attributes. Chaim Ad HaOilam Dover finishes off the chapter. Perpetual life. Live forever. What transpires here? We've discussed this before, but it's a very, very powerful thing, and especially Bifrat today's day and age, it's a very, very important and a relevant subject to touch on. To touch upon. Brotherhood. Avas Yisrael. A simple yet very, very difficult mitzvah in the Torah. Love your fellow Jew as you love yourself. Avas Yisrael. But in not just the way of fellow Jew, but Sheves Achim Gam Yochad, we have to sit like brothers together. A brotherhood. A love that is unconditional. A love that is forged and that is very strong and beyond understanding or grasp of anyone, because we don't really understand truly any kind of emotions. We know there are such things called emotions, we don't understand where they come from, how they fall into place, as we say. We know, we have emotions, we laugh, we cry, we sing, we dance, The love of the brothers, Moshe and Aaron, was not just exemplary. It was of the highest level that we can find. Moshe Rabbeinu was the leader of the Jewish nation. So needless to say, who else should have been the high priest? Who else should have been the king God? Who else should have been the one that does all the service in the, in the Holy of Holies and in the great holy temple that a God asked to be assembled? But Mesha reneged. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave him a shlichus, HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent him on a mission and says, go take out the Jews, he says, Shlach beyad Tishlach. send Mashiach himself directly, and let the Eden go out of Golis entirely, send somebody that's more capable, somebody that's more able than I am, I don't speak clearly, etc. HaKadosh Baruch said, because you said that, I 
am taking away the kahuna from you, and I will give it to someone else, which ultimately is his brother. Now, obviously, as an older brother, Maisha didn't have that any real resentment to having his older brother become Kayingadl in his stead. Maisha, in essence, really was the most humble of all people. And if you want to learn humility, we learn it from Maisha Rabbeinu, who learned it from Har Sinai. And David HaMelech is telling us, when Maisha anointed Aaron HaKoyin, he put the oil on his head, and the oil slid down to the sides of Aaron's face, into the beard of Aaron. And the Medish tells us, they formed two pearls. And when this happened, it was immediately understood that this was the right choice. The right way to go, as we say. This is how it had to be. And Aaron was indeed the Kayin God. Meisha at that point could have gone back to Bismedish and sit down and study his Tata <coughs> and teach Tata and say, Aaron, okay, you were handed the keys, drive. But Aaron finds himself in a slight dilemma, tells us the Pasha. As he stood in front of the Mishkan, the Shechina did not come down. He did not find and feel the Divine Presence enveloping the Mishkan. And he turns to Moshe and says, Help! What's going on here? Needless to say, he had to save face by Klai Yisrael. All the people are watching this and waiting for Aaron to go in and to make to do the service and cause the divine revelation, but the Shekhinah is not coming down. Moshe immediately could have written down on a piece of paper what he had to say, what he had to do, and say, go take care of this. But Moshe knew very, very well that it was not the case. It was only Moshe himself that could bring the Shekhinah down, and it was only with Moshe's prayer that he had in his lips on his lips. So at this point in time, he could have turned to Klai Yisrael and said, look, I know that Aaron is pointed your King Godel, <coughs> but hello, it's called spade a spade. He's not as worthy as I am. And the proof's in the pudding. The Shkin is not coming down. Moshe could have done a little different in a conniving 2022 way. Underhandedly or backstabbingly, Moshe could have gone into the Mishkan, prayed, Shkina would come down, and then he'd come out and say, okay, Aaron, it's all yours. He said it's all his, and he gave the covet iron to now go do the service. But ultimately, everybody would see, ah, it was all because of Mesha's holiness, and Mesha's so superior to his brother Aaron. Mesha does no such thing. Terah tells us Mesha goes in together with Aaron, and then prays, and to which the Shekinah comes down, as nobody can say, it was Moshe's prayer, it was Aaron's prayer, it was this, it was that. There was no ifs, ands, and buts. There was no way of proving, no way of saying, and no way of showing. So now the Shekhinah came down. Beautiful. Beautiful. Ashrenu. 
Now the Shkin is here, and now we can start the service in the Mishkin. Okay. It's a beautiful part of the Pasha. Mom is beautiful, how amazing, how fantastic. What else do you want to hear when you're, when you're learning and reading Tera? We're all novices, we're all simple people. But when we're reading Hashem's Tera, this is what we want to see. We want to hear how the brothers, the brotherly love one another, and the camaraderie, and the greatness, and the holy temple. This is, a, this is all beautiful. The Pasha takes a turn. A horrible turn at that. Aaron has four sons. According to most opinions, Nadav and Avihu were greater than Moshe and Aaron. They were extremely learned people. Tells us the Tata. Nadav and Avihu entered into the Holy of Holies and were consumed by flames and they died. In the middle of all the ceremony and the celebration, the beautiful part, the highlight of the Pasha, we're getting so excited and suddenly, welcome Georgia, suddenly the Two brothers, two of the four brothers, another one of you go into the Holy of Holies. A flame comes out, enters their nostrils, it says, and burns their entire insides. Their bodies remain intact. They need to be dragged out. Moshe calls certain people to drag them out of the Holy of Holies and to be dealt with, buried, whatever needed to be done. And we have a tremendous impactful lesson (coughs) during this moment. After everything happens and this transpires and the children, the boys are taken out. They were boys, obviously. We turn and we look, what's Aaron now going to say? What kind of announcement is he going to make? What kind of bemoaning, what kind of wailing are we going to hear from Aaron Akoyan? Tells us the Torah two words, Vayidoim Aharoin Aharoin remained silent. Two thousand twenty-two. Fast forward. Aaron just lost his sons. Remained silent. Quick, get him to therapy. He snapped. He's lost it. He's 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 gone into a coma. He's he must be. I'm not going to even start the myriad of, of, of diagnosis that people will come up with. The fact that Aaron did not react. What was he thinking? He surely was not saying, they deserved it. Two people are very, very holy boys. So, what was the mind frame of Ayidim Aaron? More so, what's the lesson to us? Aaron Akayan, who is Ayyav Shalom, Raydiv Shalom, Ayyavis Abriyas, Makavan Latayla, the biggest advocate for love of fellow Jew sees his own two children die and he remains silent. Doesn't come out with a machot, doesn't come out with announcements saying that these people are not doing these things right, these people are not doing this right, these people are saying this, these people are saying that, these people are going here, these people are going there, and these women are not dressing right, and the people are not eating kosher properly. He doesn't make any kind of announcements, he doesn't stand up and make any propaganda about it. Fayyide matter. With total, complete Kabbalah's Ur, Malchushemayim, acceptance of the yoke of heaven and in full belief that if God did so, it was with a proper purpose.
Aaron looked at his sons. Now, there are so many opinions as to what happened here. Obviously, everything is the words of God and therefore it exists and is holy. But, there are many different opinions. One is they were Shasuyayin. They had drank wine. And the reason that we say that is because it says thereafter, the tzivui to the kahanim, the commandment to the kahanim, no one should drink wine when doing the service of mitzvah. So therefore, we learn, we derive from this, that since this was the first directive given after this incident, common sense dictates that that must have been their grave sin. But all due respect, the commandment was given after it happened, after the fact. If the commandment was only given after the fact, how would they have known? And why were they Chayiv Misa? Why were they judged for death? Nobody even told them you can't do this. Can we say that they should have known because they were smart enough? Because they were at that level of people and they should have known better? Do we say that ignorance is a legal, tender way of saying, I didn't know and therefore I should be innocent? Obviously that's not the case because they did die. Another thing that Teda actually dictates and says they brought a Ash Zora, a strange flame. They brought in a flame, incense into the Kedish, into the Holy of Holies, Kedish Gadashim, when they were not told to do so. But if we look at the wording of the Teda, how they entered each one had their own pan of the incense. A person, when the Kriyam went in, only one person was allowed in. These two brothers did not coordinate, according to some opinions, their venture to go into the Kedish Kedashim. They found that the other one was going in when they were inside the Kedish Kedoshim. And each one saw that there was another set of whatever needed dictators that needed to be brought in. He was holding his, he was holding his. Immediately they joined their plates together. They joined the plates together and thereby thinking maybe there is only one sacrifice being brought in, it's not two, and it is, and that. Regardless, there were two people entering the Holy of Holies at once, and this therefore, unfortunately, caused them to be killed. Move on in the parasha. You are what you eat. And therefore the terror then begins now to tell us about the kosher animals, the kosher fish, the kosher birds, the kosher. And of course also what you're not allowed to eat. And all the different insects, etc., another total extreme of the pendulum here. We began talking about the dedication of the Holy Temple 
And we end up talking about the eating and the consumption of shrotzen, of bugs. What a wide range. How totally abstract one from the other. That is an understandable parasha. (laughs) Then we take a second Sefer Teda out in which we're going to read Parshas Parazes Chukas HaTeda. This is a chuk in the Teda, a chukim are mitzvahs that we have no understanding what they stand for, what they come for. And Zeis Chukas HaTeda, Pora Aduma, the red heifer. And we didn't have enough problems understanding what a carbon is all about what sacrifices are and why we bring them etc we have another issue here with a if people were Tommy the Nefesh people would were made impure because they came in contact with a dead body a carcass then, they needed, in order to be purified, they would take this red heifer, which is totally without any other color hairs except for red, and it would be sacrificed, and the waters and everything else would be mixed together, and they would be sprayed by this, and they would then become pure. However, the person that did the spraying became impure. So the same waters that sprayed and made this person pure, these people pure, made this person impure. He has to say he was only impure for one day, whereas the other ones were, were impure for a week. But okay, it's not relevant. It's not always the Pasha's part of Shemini. But the fact of the matter is that when the brothers die in the Kedush Kedashim and needed to be brought out, those people had a problem now, had to become pure. <coughs> Therefore, we find Bashkacha Pratis this year that Paras read with Shmini, so the Tommy the Mace have immediately a solution of how to become purified. What more can we ask for? Ready on a platter, all set. So we have in a nutshell what we're dealing with, how you say, in this week's Pasha. Back now to after the story of Nadav and Avihu, where their flame was eaten, the Fnei Hashem before God, they were consumed. And the pastor continues there. Moshe calls to Mishal and Al the children of Azil, the uncle of Aaron. And he says to them, Kirvu, come close. Carry out your brother's maze b'nei ha-kedish on the chutz l'machna to the outskirts of the, of the camp. Rashi explains what does su'es ha-kedish mean, carry your brothers. He says, like the person that says to his friend, about passing of a dead person in front of a kala, 
get him out of here, get the dead person out, so that it does not disrupt, disrupt the simcha. You have a kala, you have a wedding. You don't want to disrupt the wedding. It's not enough to disrupt the wedding. If somebody got for the pesto, you get the person out. Commentaries explain. Why does Rashi go through this great dialogue? And describe all that happened over here. He should have said it in Kitzer. Take out these people and bury them. What is the Meiz Pnei Akedish and Mechutz Lamachna? Why is that relevant to add into the Pesukim? The words Mechutz Lamachna, the outside of the campment, has to be there to teach us that they didn't bury within the encampment. But why Meiz Pnei Akedish? Why to tell us about? Why elaborate? to take out from within the Pnei HaKadosh. This is Rashi's Chiddush. This is where Rashi comes to play. This is where he comes to teach us and puts this emphasis. Meis Pnei HaKadosh. It teaches us that it had a special intention not to disrupt the Simcha. The fact that they were commanded to take out the bodies of Nadav and Avihu, not just that they needed to be buried, which is something, of course, that we know, firstly, that a Jewish burial should take place as fast as possible, and secondly, most importantly, that a, pa- a person passes away, the only way of dealing with the person's body is burial, not chatzashalom, anything else. And we need to treat the body with utmost respect. The fact that we're commanded to take out the bodies of another one of you, so that the simcha should go on. The simcha, the joy that was happening then within the Kaddish. In order not to, God forbid, disrupt this, and so that it can continue on. Like the person that says to his friend, getting the mess out from before the in front of the collar. From the words Me'es Pnei HaKaddish, from within the front of the holiness of the sanctity, it shows us a special connotation to the concept of Kodesh. Not just, as we said, taking out the bodies. I understand that. But how does Rashi know that the intention was that there was a Simcha going on in the Mishkan that day, and therefore... That should not be disrupted. It's possible to say simply that the emphasis made Pnei They took out the bodies as quickly as possible from the Mishkan, so there should not be any kind of impurity in the in the holy of holies. a side point to tell us that in Tehidus Kahanim there's a dispute whether Nodav and Aviyu died inside the Holy of Holies or outside. According to the actual translation of the Pasuk or Pshutei Shemikra as we say it happened Bifnim. It happened in the Holy of Holies. 
place that they brought, the Eish Zara, the strange flame. And from there went out the Eish, the Fnei Hashem, the flame from God, and consumed them. But still in all, even according to the opinion that they died on the outside, it was in the courtyard of the Mishkan. Even a child understands it's not a place for a dead body to be lying while everybody's doing what's going on in there. And the truth is, Rashi is not taking and emphasizing on the Pasuk, from the Pasuk, in the words of the entry of the, the title of the Rashi, the words Meis Pnei HaKedish, but rather Su Esachichem. The title of Rashi is Su Esachichem, take out your brothers, not from within the holies. And therefore the main thing is <coughs> that needs to be explained is the source of the Kiddush of these words. Perhaps we can explain it this way. Rashi's question when it says in the Pasuk Take out your brothers, especially the words Achichem, your brothers, which is the last word in the title of Rashi. And his question is why does the Pasuk have to say, in the middle of this whole story of the Simcha, the Veda, Yemashmin, and the Meduim, okay, they, it says they passed away. Enough. Why does it have to also emphasize and tell us about the being taken out of the, out of the Mishkan? Simple fact. It's understood from itself that they didn't leave the bodies there. They took them out. Why elaborate on that? Why did the person go through that whole lengthy explanation? Another thing we need to understand Basic stresses here that Tiva says he commanded what did when who did Mesha command to do this? Mishal and Al Sofan. The children of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron. Cousins. And yet it says Achechem, your brothers. And the same thing also that Barbanel explains, Tziva the Mishal al that Mishal and al were told, they commanded, go into the Hechel and bring out the bodies. They were cousins of Aaron. Being family, Excuse me. They were cousins, but they loved each other like brothers. And they had to take them the outside of the camp. Mere fact here that they were involved with burying these people and people that are relatives is a total side thing. Mainstay point here, in the beginning of Pasha's Ember, therefore we have to understand why is the Pasuk go through this now in its lengthy explanation. And you can't really ask if the going out had to be done through family, why didn't they do the brothers alone? Why didn't Allah Zanisama take them out? The Pasuk continues and says, that they were warned on that day, 
not to leave the Pesach Eil, Pesach Eil Moed, Elozen Esama. And it's simple. Because Elozen Esama that day had the din of Kering Vodl. And therefore they could not even become Tommy to their brother. Although we say there's only one Kering Vodl, and that was Adam. So it really doesn't, has a little bit of a hiccup on that explanation. But in, in addition to this, the closeness of the family of Mishal and al to Aaron and his children, we have in our Indian here a reason to contradict. On that day, Mesha was very involved, as we said before. He was involved, Aaron, his children, Simchus HaMishkan. And therefore, this is also connected to all the brothers of Bnei Shevet Levi, that they were told to serve in the Mishkan. We see Bamidbar. Bamidbar explains all the, the, the whole Shevet Levi's involvement. that being the case, it's good that Yisraelim, just regular people, went to take out the bodies and to bury them. Show and Safan, though, were Levim. They needed to stay, they needed to stay pure as well and do the Aveda. And even more so, Rashi teaches us that Kasha bin Yaakov Nosu Esarene When the children of Yaakov took Yaakov for burial, Yotzalevi Menaklav Leishtatim is a levi did not carry. Why? Because his children in future generations will be carrying the Oren of the, of the Mishkan. The Oren Abris. So we know that Levi, Levim and Kahanim were not allowed to touch dead bodies. So where therefore does this come into play here that El Tzofan Mishol and El Tzofan were asked to come and take out the bodies? And if Levi a son of Yaakov was withheld from partaking his father's carrying of, the, of his father's coffin because of the Aveda that his future generation needs to do in the Mishkan and many years down the line they were in Egypt for a good couple of years to, from then till then so much more so the day that the Mishkan is being dedicated it was not befitting to the Levim to take out from the Mishkan that Levim should go deal with dead bodies. But in order to clarify this whole thing, why they chose these Levim to take out the bodies, this has to do with what the Parsha stands for. Rashi is giving us a beautiful insight here. Carry out your brothers from within the Kedish. This is a special Indian in itself. Not just what we understand that they have to go bury Nodem and Aviyu, but the actual Pu'ula itself that they were doing had to do with the Aveda of the Yom had to do with this Chanukah Sabayis that they were doing, the dedication of the temple. Because why said Rashi, not to disrupt the Simcha that was going on. The Simcha of Chanukah Samishkan. So, the Aveda itself was for the Simcha Samishkan. 
So it was important, therefore, that this Simchas HaMishkan not be disrupted. And by having these dead bodies there, this is a disruption. For many different reasons, besides the fact that two dead bodies are not exactly conducive for joy, and that they were young, and that they were very, very beloved and very learned, but nobody can go near them, they're all going to become impure. So you had to get them out of there, otherwise it was not going to be, it would be impurity all over. And therefore, Moshe commanded this be done, Dafka through Levim. People that are involved with Avedis, Hamishkan. And we find by the Mishkan, That although that the the, work, the the actual um, jobs or working or things that were being done of silikamafria taking out what's disrupting, this was part of the Aveda. Just like the Kahanam that took off the ashes from the from the Mizbeach and took it also outside the campment. And the same thing is also the cleaning of the candles. Sorry, taking the menorah and cleaning it out, and then they, and in order to put in new ones. Similarly to this, in our Indian, that although it's talking about here a negative action, in essence, taking somebody and burying them. And each person simple fit for this, each simple person is fit for that. But since this was in order not to disrupt the Simcha in the Chanukah Samishkan, to take out what's being disrupting to it, therefore, this is considered a part of the Aveda of that day. And this is a very important job. I needed important people to do it, from the people of Shevet Levi, who are the brothers of Aaron and and his children. So what do we get from this? Our mainstay lesson in Avedis Hashem is simple. A Jew, any level, any kind of pedigree or anything that he has, cannot say that it's more befitting for him to serve in the positive things that have to be done. Adding good and adding holiness. Part of the Vedas Akedish is also taking away, peeling away what's not fitting. Going away from what's prohibited. Causing not being Dirlay's Barakh. The dirt, the spiritual dirt, and cleansing, this too is considered very, very prestigious. So, yes, we have an issue. We have a problem. Either we learn today's Tanya, or we learn about learning Teda, about doing mitzvahs, about reaching and achieving different levels in Madregas. They're all wonderful, phenomenal, fantastic. So who am I? Where do I fit into this picture? How do I get into this? How am I capable of doing such things? Tells us the Teda that each and everything... Each and everything that a person does, each and every Aveda that a person applies themselves to, come what may, as trivial as they may seem, this Aveda, this service, is still of great relevance. The Sur Meirah, 
turn away from bad and do good. Tells us the Tata. Tells us the lesson of our parsha that Surmira, although they didn't do anything, although nothing happened, although who am I and what am I capable and what am I so good about? What is my Aveda worth already? What am I doing already? Tells us the Tata, whatever it is that you're doing, if you're doing it to take away what didn't work, if you're doing it to unserve or to deter from the bad ways and the bad paths that you were on until now before, and now you are going and looking any given slightest improvement, taking out a dead body, moving on, forging ahead, whether you're going on someone else's belief, or you're going on somebody else's back, the person's carrying you, whether the person, whatever the case might be, however you're doing it, if you are allowing yourself to transform, to transport, and to elevate if everything that you are and that you are doing, then you automatically have proven, you automatically have shown true colors. You have automatically existed and coexisted and done the way it's supposed to be done. And you are on not only the right path, you are on the highest level of the path. You are achieving more than the person that's doing this from from birth, that's doing it from the womb. You are achieving so much more since you are first peeling away the dead, taking out the dead so that the live, the ones that are alive, and the live mitzvahs and the live teda can now surface by being pure and staying pure. And that therefore continues with his Kadashtem Yisim Kedashim Kiyachadish Ani. Taylor goes and warns us, sanctify yourselves and be holy, for I am holy, says God. This is when it comes towards the end of the Pasha, as we said, eating the prohibited creatures or foods. Do not become disgusted. Do not make yourself disgusted. Sometimes a person does things that are just down gross. Downright gross. You're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to gross yourself out, as we say in America. It's ugly, it's disgusting, and it's not acceptable, and the Torah prohibits. It's a prohibition of the Torah. The Rambam, in his Sefer, at the end of Hilchus Machalus Asuris, enumerates, finishes off. Kol Nizbet Varamelu, maybe Kedusha Vitara Yisera the Nafshei and Marek Nafshei, the Shem Akadosh Baruch Hu Shnei Miskadashim Miskadashim Kiyanashami. Anyone that is careful with all these things, with the insects and not eating anything like this, and avoiding all these things, getting off all the impurities and all the invaluable things is elevating and purifying themselves, as it says in the Tera, sanctify yourselves, be holy, because I am holy. This stress, that's repeated once again, on this prohibition, is not exactly clear. Most people, don't like eating cockroaches and bugs. It's the nature of a person. Why do we need to be warned so severely? And why is it that someone who does avoid this is brought to such a high level? And the answer 
small words. As he brings down a Marek Nafshe Leshem HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He's doing this, he's cleansing the soul in the name of godliness. Rambam is coming to teach us how a person needs to be Mekayim, the mitzvah, the tzivoy of al Shaksu. This warning needs to be not only in a way that's fit for a person to behave and to act in their own natural way, but to sanctify and to purify and to elevate the name of God. And this is most pronounced with the prohibition of eating insects and bugs. person is involved in mitzvahs, other mitzvahs. And he does it because this is what God wants. But he doesn't know that he's actually serving God, Lishma, the name of God. He doesn't consider himself anything. Who am I? So I did a mitzvah, so I put on film with somebody, so I said Shema with somebody, so I taught somebody something, so I helped somebody say Shema at night. So I, whatever it is, so who am I really? What did I really do? Mm-hmm. It's possible that within this itself, person's interested to understand the reason of the mitzvahs and what is the outcome of them. But he didn't achieve that. Doesn't know exactly what it's all about. But when it comes to mitzvah of prohibition of eating shratzim, a person feels in his own nature, it's a no-can-do, I don't want to go that way. This is where we really see the true restraints. If he's Mekai in the Mitzvah, because he can't stand it, or because God commanded it. When a Jew is careful eating these different bugs and etc not because it revolts him and it makes him just freaked out as we say but because this is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants this is how HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to elevate our body and that's how we purify (coughs) for the Creator serve Hashem Shema. No personal agendas. Someone who says this way brings holiness and purity into the soul. When we achieve this such a holy level we feel humility and humbleness before God and we try so much more so to be makpid and to be careful with purity and therefore the actual hergish feeling oops feeling that a person has of God forbid doing something wrong, he's literally being made of the Malchus, he's revolting against God in the holiness. So also we feel the closeness to God, all those that bring themselves close to God, <coughs> and they feel therefore the need to purify from every feeling of tears of themselves. This is what Rambam is implying. It's called Nizabedwa Medu, maybe Kdushu Tara, we say the Nafshi, Marik Nashi, Shimakosh Barakum. When you do this for the sent for the willing for the God's will to fulfill God's will, then you bring so much more holiness and purity within yourselves and a personal level to reach to the Matsav that called Maisav and the Niyav, everything is always for one thing, the shame Hashem of God, may we see Dr. Kishem Hashem Nikra Elecha, name of God called upon you.
this Shabbos we should dance in the dedication of the Bayis Hashlishi with a simcha of a tub levav amitis hashlemas karev mamish mamish mamish